I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for joining us for this installment of Conversations with the Candidates. My guest today is Wendell Hill Freeman. He is in the Democratic primary for mayor of the city of Baltimore. He is 29 years old. He grew up in East Baltimore. He currently lives in Church Square. He is a graduate of the high school Friendship Academy of Science and Technology. He is the owner of a small business, a marketing firm called ABM Marketing. He has not held public office, elected public office before, and he is the father of two young children, Tristan and Zaniah. Wendell Hill Freeman, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mr. Tom, for having me. So uh, why do you want to be a mayor of Baltimore? Well, first and foremost, I want to be mayor because I love the city of Baltimore. Uh, born and raised from here, and I'm just tired of the disinvestment that has been going on longer than I've been breathing there in Baltimore. Um, a lot of these politicians, what they do is that they come in during election season, they come in and get the people votes, and they do absolutely nothing for the people. It's time for the people to make the decisions of what goes on in their neighborhoods, what goes on in their schools, what goes on in their day-to-day life. Uh, right now, we're the dirtiest city in the country, and we're the fourth most dangerous city in, in the United States. That's a problem. So, that is why I want to be mayor because I know I can do the job. I don't believe that it's about experience. I believe that if you have the heart and the passion and you're willing to do the work for the people, then you should be the mayor. So that's why I want to be the mayor of Baltimore. So you grew up on the east side, yes. and now you run a marketing company. Yes. Tell us about ABM Marketing. What kind of work do you do? Well, my company's called ABM Marketing Group. What we do, we market for Fortune 500 businesses. Like uh, right now, we do energy and we do community solar. So right now, we help people not only get protection on the energy bill, but we help them get uh, community solar credits to help them save money on a monthly basis. So I train people on how to acquire people and make money and change their lives. So you are working for a company that distributes community solar or or, uh, gets customers to sign up for community solar? Yeah. So so they, they, they give the contracts to my company and me and my company, we market them. Mm-hmm. So is this like door-to-door yes, stuff? Yes, it's, it's door-to-door door marketing, yes. Mm-hmm. And what what about running that business? I mean, so you're doing training of the employees and you're helping them figure out how to, you know, close the deals and mm-hmm. close the sales. What about that kind of experience that you've had do you think uh, would help inform you being the mayor? Well, first of all, as far as like the money managing part, I think that's very important. I think the next mayor of Baltimore has to be very good at managing money. I think we do a lot of frivolous spending as a city. And one thing that I do is that I... Uh, uh, pay people, you know, we get hundreds of thousands of millions of invoices every year. And, you know, uh, my company, they trust me to do that. So I feel like that's that's one thing that, you know, works in my favor is that I have money management skills. I, I, I know how to manage money. I know how to manage budgets. And I know uh, how to put the money in the right uh, things, which is the people. And in terms of involving the people in the decisions, I mean, uh, what's that look like? Give us a scenario where, where that's where that could happen if you're elected. Um, when I'm elected mayor this year, what that looks to me is that, you know, every two um, two times out of a month, what I want to do, I want to have uh, city hall meetings. I want to have the residents come to city hall. I want to have each neighborhood uh, have a ambassador so that that way, because every neighborhood is different. So we have to figure out what's going on in each neighborhood and tackle that neighborhood. We, we, we keep having plans for the whole Baltimore, but every part of Baltimore is different. So what it looks like for me when I'm putting the people first is, Putting people first in the decisions that we make in city government every day, as far as trash pickup, as far as uh, what they what's in their communities, as far as skateboard parks, uh, basketball courts, revamping education system. You know, what do they, we need to make our city better? So that's what it looks like: is is having the people first. 
putting the people first. So is it an, it, a, a situation where you would want to get their ideas about what to do? I mean, are you looking for for you know feedback about what's happening or actually solutions from uh, people on the ground living in the neighborhoods? Both. Um, because the, the the people know what's best in their neighborhoods and they know what's best to make them safer, what make them better, and what make them more affordable. And not just make them more affordable, we'll make them more, uh, make our economy better to make sure that we tr- uh, that we are striving in the right direction. Um, so it would be both. I would come to them and ask them what would they like in their neighborhoods and, and work with them to make it happen. And But it's a it's a group decision. So you're living in, in East Baltimore over by Johns Hopkins Hospital. Yes. Um, can you give me an example of a, the kinds of things that should change over there in in that neighborhood, you know, one you obviously are very familiar with, um, you know, to to make it better for the people who are living over there. Well, what I would do is that I will. Um, we we need uh, food uh, food markets. Uh, right now, uh, even when I was growing up as a child, I remember uh, when I was at elementary middle school, I had a market down the street from me. But when I went to high school, that's when it got different. Um, we didn't have a car, unfortunately, so we would have to catch two, three buses to get food. And imagine if it's just two, four hands, you have 12 to 16 bags. That's very difficult because bags are busting open. <laughs> you know, you're not, you know, you got to recover things, stuff like that. So the first thing I would do is open up a food market in that facility because the issues, I talked to the residents, and what they're saying is that it's a pro- it's hard to get fresh food and vegetables every day. There's no reason why people pay taxes and you can't even have the necessities of having fresh fruits and vegetables in your neighborhoods to feed your children and to feed yourself. So that's my top priority is to open up a food market so that people have access to food in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough a, a tough challenge, actually, as many other mayors have found. I mean, grocery stores are reluctant to open up in Baltimore. The margins, you know, the profit margins that they have are, are kind of slim. And I know I've talked to a number of uh, elected officials as well as developer types who say, you know, getting the grocery store is the hardest part when it, when it comes to attracting stores to their uh, developments and stuff. What would What's the pitch that you would make to a, a grocery store chain if you went to had a meeting with giant or Safeway or Food Town or something like that, uh, you know, how, how would you uh, try to convince them to open up a store in on the east side near Hopkins? Well, first of all, what I would do is um, my, part of my plan is in the food. That is just to make corner markets. Um, we have a lot of vacant buildings and a lot of vacant um buildings and properties in Baltimore. So we can we have enough capital and enough businesses to build corner markets first. And that way in each neighborhood, people have full markets that they can get fresh food and vegetables. Then once we do that, that will deter crime. Because the problem is these these markets don't want to come here because of crime. People getting shot in markets. They getting killed. You know, people are not paying for things. They're running in and out. So what we had to do first, we had to tackle to get the crime down and so that people feel comfortable in, in bringing their businesses to Baltimore City. Wendell Hill Freeman is my guest on this podcast, the Conversations with the Candidates series. I'm Tom Hall. So let's talk about crime. Um, You've had some experience. You write about this on your website, your campaign website, uh, of being racially profiled, about being uh, harassed by the police and stuff. Tell us about those experiences. Yeah, so... This is when I was a child. I was 14 years old, and um, I got into a street fight over a girl. <laughs> and um, what happened was it was at the 7-Eleven on the Alameda near the uh, laundromat. And um, what happened was the police got called. Um, and the police got called. I was at the 7-Eleven. They came. They tackled me. And they put me on the ground. And um, when they put me in handcuffs, the officer, I, re- I re- it's crazy because I remember this man's face like it was yesterday. And this is what he told me. He said, you're lucky you're in front of 7-Eleven. 
because if you wasn't, I would have blew your brains out. It was a white officer, right? So right in and there when that happened, I knew that, you know, the police were not here to protect and serve everybody. You know, I don't believe all cops are bad, but I knew right then and there that all all cops aren't good cops. Um, and that's just one, even when it came down to some traffic stops that I've been involved in. Um, you know, as far as officers, you know, just judging me off the color of my skin, it doesn't matter what I have on or how I look or who I am, you know, just off the color of my skin or the car I drive, whatever the case may be, they look at us differently. So, um, that's just some of the racial profile that, you know, I've experienced in life. And mm-hmm. I, I have my a son at seven and I, I, I teach him that, you know, we grew up in a world where it's like that, but you don't have to be like that. And I still that in him that, you know, always be don't see color, see human. Yeah. So, I mean, people, people refer to it as being stopped for driving while black. Exactly. You know, it's been going exactly. on for generations. So how, how do you end that? How do you change that culture in the Baltimore City Police Department? Well, first, what we have to do is that we got to end the corruption. We have to get rid of the people who are not here to serve the citizens of Baltimore, and that's a lot of them. So part of my clean sweep initiative when I get elected is to do a clean sweep of every department. You know, anyone that has been found of doing any misconduct to not just black and brown people, any person in the city of Baltimore, you had to be held accountable and we had to remove you because that's how we build the city's trust. We cannot get, build the city's trust until we get all the corrupt people out of the city who want to see us fail. So that's the that's how I would do that. I would get rid of all the corruption, all the people who are, have had complaints, all the people who are not serving citizens of Baltimore, remove them and replace them with people who are actually going to do the work and do the job effectively and efficiently. What's your opinion of uh, Rich Worley, who's the current police commissioner? If you were elected, would you keep him on in that position? No. Uh, Worley would have to go for me. And it's not a personal decision because I don't know um, um, Worley personally, but the, the, the key for me was the Brooklyn Day mass shooting. Um, and what happened with those two people that got killed and the, thir- the 28 others who got injured. Um, it's no way possible. It's no way that we are one of the most funded police departments in the st- in the country. And there was no way that we did not know that that was happening. You cannot sit up here and tell me that you did not know you were not aware. This is a national thing that happens in Brooklyn every single year. That's that that even even council people know about. It. If the council people know about it beforehand, why didn't the police commission know about it? Why didn't the police department? Why didn't the mayor have the enforcement there to make sure that this didn't happen? This was a preventable thing that could have happened. But it's a lack of leadership and a lack of people who really care about the city because if you care about the city you will care about the safety of all those children that that are scarred from that situation yeah i mean a lot of folks uh, share that opinion to be sure including people on the city council man councilman conway who held hearings about it uh and commissioner worley has in fact apologized for you know the, the what the police did in response to that uh incident but i wonder what would you have had them do I mean, if we could turn back the clock, you know, and uh, and avoid this tragedy of those two young people being killed and the others being injured, um, what would you have had the police do if they? What what should have been the proper response? The proper response should have been first. They should have made sure that people knew about it, that they knew about it. That was number one. The problem they saying, oh, I didn't know about it. That was number one. And for honestly, if I was the mayor, I would have known about it. I would have made the proper caution by having it shut down because. From what I've heard, it wasn't even like done correctly. So that's number one. If it's not permitted correctly, I mean, shut it down by a particular time of night. I mean, it was this, no, this incident no. happened like around eleven or yeah. twelve. So what night. I mean is, what I was told was that I guess whatever paperwork, you know, whatever permits you need to host large events, it wasn't either notified by the people who own Brooklyn Homes or something like that. So that was the first red flag. How was the how was the city not notified that this event was not uh, properly done the correct way? 
That's number one. But number two, what I would have done was that I would have had the police present there already. So before people even would have came to come here, you would have known this is not that type of party. We're not having that tonight because you got to protect the people. It's about what's in the best interest of the people. That night could have been preventable if we as a city would have did the necessary. So that's what I would have done as mayor if I was at that night. I, it wouldn't have happened because I would have been prepared for that night. So this sounds like a management issue to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, how you manage things. So obviously you've had experience, you know, managing your firm, your marketing firm. Um, what what does good management look like to you? How, how do you describe your management philosophy? Well, number one, you got to have integrity and you got to be accountable rather you're doing good or bad. See, that's one thing about me, even when I'm in business, and that's how I will be as the next mayor. If I'm doing good, I'm going to do that. If I'm doing bad, I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm not going to run from anything because what happens is that, you know, a lot of these politicians, that they, they, they talk a good game, but then they run from when stuff hits the fan. No, you have to have the same energy when things are going good and when things are going bad. That's the person that I am, and it's the same as in my management, is that integrity, you know, holding yourself accountable, being transparent. You know, it's no reason why, you know, uh, you know, people are asking for information, city-wise information, and we're not getting it. You know, it, 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 that's an issue. So, you know, we don't know where our money is going at. You know, when we talk about transparency and accountability. Uh, Sheila Dixon, who's one of the major candidates running in this race against uh, current Mayor Brandon Scott, um, has criticized Mayor Scott for not delivering city services in a timely and efficient and, you know, successful way. Um, as a small business owner, uh, what have, has your interaction with the city been when it comes to, you know, running a small business? Uh, and uh, are there areas that uh, the city's response to your needs as a business person needs to improve? Yes, uh, as far as even getting contact with the city, um, it's really hard to even get in contact with the city, even when it came down to permits. I remember when I first... Uh, not about my business, but when I decided to run for mayor and I decided to have an event uh, outside and it, it just for me to go through get the permits, it was a hassle. You know, it, that needs to change. You, we should, there's no reason why we should have to go through hoops and hurdles to go to get the city services. There's no reason when they work for the people. That's the whole thing. We work for the people. So my biggest thing about that is making sure city services are running like they're supposed to be. And that's 24 seven. This is not a day where we take days off for the people because the people don't take days off for us when it comes to vote for us in. So it's the same way when we when we get into office. We have to hold ourselves to that standard that we have to make sure that the city services, we should not be the dirtiest city in the, in, in, in the, in the country. What's the what, let's, let's talk about that. Let's start with DPW, which has, in fact, been one of the agencies here in town that's been uh, plagued by some real serious problems. Um, how do you clean up the city of Baltimore? And I don't disagree with you. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the dirtiest city in the whole country, but it's uh, we are. You know, it's, yeah, we are. It's pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, in certain neighborhoods. Um, so what 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 is the key to uh, you know to to cleaning up Baltimore? Well, first of all, we have um, we got to create more jobs for people, um, and we need people to actually clean up the city of Baltimore because DPW is not enough. So part of my administration would have a department where we actually have people who actually go around every day. We pay them to clean up the city. And I know that's a problem because I had a, commun a community cleanup in the summertime, and I went to the West Baltimore part of the so I was over there by Penn North Avenue. Mm -hmm. And it was me and a couple of my volunteers. We was over there. We cleaned up. I mean, Mr. Tom, when I say you would have think we was like Mr. Clean when we was done, right? So not even an hour after we were done, not even an hour after we were done, we I drove back up there. I'll tell you, the, the amount of trash that was back there 
in the hour of us just cleaning it in a hot sun sweat and stuff like that, the amount of trash that got thrown back, it's like y'all just waited for us to leave. So we got to hold people accountable for that. One part of my thing is, you know, it's a no loitering policy. We got to get cameras, whatever has to be done. We got to get these people that are loitering and holding our city up accountable. But we got to create jobs for people to be able to do that because we got a lot of opportunity, but we don't have the jobs for them. So that's part of our administration would be to create an opportunity for people to clean up the city because we need it. So so it, it would be a job creation program to have them work for DPW or, or a- in abs- conjunction with DPW? Absolutely, yes, to actually clean up each part of the city every day. Because uh, part of it is also, you know, the folks who are throwing the trash on the on the ground, you know, and even mean, held accountable. You know, there's a there's a convenience store up uh, the street from my house in Res Hill, and people buy stuff, and then they come and walk down the street, and when they're finished with the wrapper, they just drop it on the sidewalk. So, how do you get folks to change that attitude? And how do you know? And, and, and you could also say the same thing about violence. I mean, you know, when people have a, an instinct, an impulse. Uh, to handle disputes mm-hmm. in a violent way as opposed to talking it through and, and you know, resolving the conflict. I mean, it's a, a cultural change, not just in the administration of the government, but also in, uh, you know, in folks' frame of mind. How, mm-hmm. how, how do you, how as the mayor, could you affect change in that way? Well, one thing I would learn is that, you know, when you, if you want change, you got to be the person that, that does it. Right? So that's why I'm running for mayor, because I know I'm being a person for change. But f- part of my plan is to, you know, you got to build trust with, with pe- put the people first. And, and, and I keep saying that because that is my whole campaign on why I'm running for mayor. You have to put the people first. You have to put the people's best interests, what they need, their, their hearts, their minds into what we're doing. So we have to build that trust. And that starts with doing a clean sleep. A queen, I keep saying clean sweep, but every department, we have to start brand new. We have to change the mindsets of Baltimoreans because right now people think that where we are is okay. Going back to where we was is okay, but it's not. We can move forward, but it starts with the mayor. It starts with a fresh young mind who has bright ideas, who's going to come in and, and, and be that person who leads from the front. Like when I tell you to pick up trash... I'm the person that's out there doing it. You see me doing it. When it comes to fighting crime, I'm going to be in my car at late night, 11, 12, 1, 2 o'clock, when the crimes are happening, so I can uh, hold people accountable in that nature. I'm that person. So it starts with me. It starts with the leader. The mayor is the leader of the ship. And right now, our ship is going down. Let's talk about education. I know that's very important to you. Um, you have a young child, you're seven years old, mm-hmm. so starting elementary school here. Um uh, Dr. Sonia Sonalisis has been the uh, school superintendent, school CEO for eight years now. She's one of the longest serving uh, school CEOs in the country mm-hmm. uh, and certainly one of the longest here in Baltimore uh, over the past three or four decades. Uh, what's your opinion of the job she's doing and uh, would you support keeping her on? Not that you, you don't appoint this, the school CEO mm-hmm. but uh, if you're the mayor, but what's your, uh, what's your assessment of her performance? Well, education is my top priority. Um, and I just want to say I'm the only candidate in this race who has been to school in the past 10 years. Dr. Santelisa will have to go. Um, and, again, this is not a personal decision. We have to look at the numbers. We have to look at the statistics. We got to look at this as like if it was any other job. If I work at McDonald's and I'm not flipping burgers correctly, what's going to happen? They're going to let me go. If I'm a head coach for a basketball team and we're failing, they might keep me on for a year or two, but eventually they're going to say, listen, we got to go to another direction. And with Dr. Santalisa, I would ask her to resign. And if she doesn't want to resign, I work with the school board to get her out because our kids are failing. Our kids cannot read. They can't write. 
our kids don't feel safe going to school. You know, our education system is not up to date. It's a lot of issues where, you know, we're paying her a lot of money and the, result, the results are not there. So Dr. Sanselise would have to go under my administration. And do you have someone in mind who would be a better school CEO? Well, I'm going to work with, 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 with the, the best minds in Baltimore to actually bring the right person into the uh, the city schools. Because right now, I feel like you know, it's, we have so many tainted people. You know, we gotta we gotta put the right person that's going to actually do the job effectively and efficiently. So I will work with my t- with my team and you know the best minds in Baltimore and bring the best person on team. And same thing for the police commission. Absolutely, and, and same thing for the police commissioner as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it comes to housing, affordable housing, I mean, uh, rent payments and stuff are high on people's minds because it's it's very expensive these days with inflation and stuff. Uh, the mayor and Bill Baltimore Baltimoreans United in leadership development have proposed a very uh, expansive, uh, wide-ranging program of addressing the vacant housing in Baltimore and renovating houses and stuff. Um, what is your uh, opinion of that plan? Uh, and, and do you have any other ideas about how to solve the vacant problem and solve the affordability problem for housing? Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, I don't like the plan because it's too long. Um, it's too long. Like, I don't want to be 45 before I see a difference in Baltimore. Which is like 15 years from now or something. Right, yeah, it's mm-hmm. about 15 years from now. I don't want to wait, that, and I, I know the residents don't want to wait that long. The citizens don't want to wait that long. Nobody wants to wait 15 years. So part of my administration is that we actually have a billion-dollar plan over the next 10 years to really tackle the vacant property issue. And that's about 100 to $200 million a year that we're going to invest to cure that problem because that's going to strengthen our economy. We cannot wait five to ten years to see developments in Baltimore. No, we need that right now. The Inner Harbor is a desert. We have over 14,000 vacant houses that need attention right now. I, Where's $200 million come from? Um, stopping all these nonprofits and these programs who are not uh, showing real results to Baltimore. That's where the money comes from. What do you mean stopping the nonprofits? They, not, not stopping the, the ones that are actually doing the work. I'm talking about the ones who have no proven track record for results. Because of the, the but city. how does that create two hundred million dollars? Because we we have the money we have the money in the city. We have my plan is to do an audit of the city over the past fifty years because we have the money in the in the city, but we we're spending it in the wrong direction. So once the audit happens, we can figure out okay, this is spending. We can stop the the spending that's unnecessary and bring that into life. Okay, can you give me an example of that kind of? In other words, you're talking about the city funding certain nonprofits. Uh, and and that's in your view that we're, we're we're wasting that money. We should be spending it on other things. Can, do you have some uh, examples that you're particularly worried about? You talk about as far as nonprofits. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of them is Safe Streets. Um, if I'm being completely honest, one of them is Safe Streets. Uh, again, I don't understand how we are funding millions of dollars into a program with no track record of success. We have people that are working who we don't even know who they are, and on top of that. Um, they can they can covered for, um, and they don't have no tr- uh, they don't they don't have no true record of preventing violence. These people just getting trained, I believe last year they invested five million dollars into helping them with violent intervention. But I thought that was the whole point of the program is to have people that have that experience to be these violent interventions. So that's just one program. Well, the mayor would say that there is a track record that you know over the last year 
uh, crime, violent crime, uh, declined considerably. I mean, 62 fewer people were shot to death last year than the year before. That's very good progress. It's something, whatever, 25% or something. Um, and that, that the violence interruption programs like Safe Streets, like ROCA, uh, like YAP, they're, they're responsible for that. Do you, do you see any linkage between, you know, the improvement in the crime numbers and uh, the, the, the mayor's uh, approach, which is called the, the group violence reduction strategy? Well, no, um, I, I don't. And the citizens of Baltimore don't. Um, when you talk to the citizens, we still don't feel safe. Well, feeling safe is, you're right, there's a perception of safety and then there's actual data that is saying, you know, that in fact fewer people are being shot and fewer people are being murdered. Right. And honestly, if, if I'm being honest, I don't feel like all those numbers are correct. Um, I feel like these people have a, you know, they can create anything and to put out to the media to put like they're really doing the work. But honestly, I'm not saying it. The people of Baltimore are not saying it. And, you know, we're tired of, 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 of just getting of, of not the talk and not the action. So without the violence interruption, is there anything in particular you would supplant uh, for for that in terms of uh, keeping the crime rate down and, and lowering it even further? Yes, my plan is that we got we to gotta, we gotta end the poverty that's in Baltimore. That's number one, and fix the broken education system. Once we fix those two things, the crime is going to go down. We also have to invest into the, the men and women who are incarcerated and, and give them opportunities when they come home. See, the problem is that when these people come home, they don't have real opportunity. My plan is when I'm mayor, I'm going to have people go to the jails, go to wherever they are, before they get released and say, hey, what are you good at? You're not good at anything? Okay, we're going to give you the opportunity to be our next HVAC, our plumbers. Our city, we have a whole bunch of vacant homes. We can do this from the inside. And we can hire people from the inside of the city instead of hiring people from outside, but we have to give the people that's here the opportunity. Um, one of the problems that Baltimore faces, uh, and it's been going on for a long time, it's taken uh, many years to uh, happen, but we have a significant decline in our population. We just don't have as many people here. It was in the 50s, there were a million people who lived in the city of Baltimore. Uh, in the 70s and 80s, it was you know down to seven or 800,000. Now we're below 600,000 for the first time since the 19th century. Um, what would your plan be to attract more people to come to live in the city as well as keep people here who are thinking about moving out? Great question, Mr. Tom. See, people move out of cities for three major reasons. Crime education, and high property tax. So if we cur those three things right there, because I, I said this recently at a, a forum I was at, I said, I've never heard nobody say I want a vacation in Baltimore. Let's change that. But in order for us to change that, we have to invest into the people that are here right now. Invest into the schools, invest into the uh, housing, make it more affordable. Invest into our seniors, invest into the food desert prices. I mean, crisis. Invest into our education and get our kids right. Because if we do these things, that's going to attract people to want to come. That's how you break businesses to Baltimore by making where, the people where we, that we have now more attractive. Do you uh, see any uh, role for the city council? Uh, in in those kinds of issues, the the in other words, how would you work with the city council if you're elected as the mayor? I believe that a city council and mayor partnership is so crucial. We have to all be on the same page, and I feel like that. To be honest, with you, I feel like eighty percent of city council people that are currently and often need to go. That's just how I personally feel. But once eighty percent, yes, eighty percent, um, because a lot of these uh, councilmen don't even be in their neighborhoods. People don't know them. Stuff is stuff has gone down, and they have spoke about nothing. 
they have done nothing. So I feel like 80%, it, now it is some good council people that are very good, that are doing, doing the work, but there are a lot of them that need to go and be replaced with somebody who's actually going to care about the district, care about the people, and do the actual job that you are getting hired to do. See, that you may have that perception, and I don't, I don't deny that that's your perception, but I'm sure every, because I talk to those folks all the time, every one of them would say that that's not true, mm-hmm. that they are in the neighborhood, that they are responding to constituent needs, that they are very concerned and knowledgeable about what's going on in the neighborhood. So I wonder what makes you think that they don't care, that they're not there, and that they're they're absent. Because every single council member, all 14 of them, would say that's not true. Okay, I got, I'm going to tell you something that's recent. So we had a situation with, um, and I hope Ms. Linda, if you listen, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but with Ms. Linda Vats, um, what happened was that we had an employee who actually works for Bikemore named Jay Weeks um, basically put our house on social media and um, put pictures of our house, went on our property, basically violated her in a way. What happened was uh, my advisor, he actually, we all sent an email to each council person, not saying asking them to say you want to fire it, but it's asking how do you feel about this as council, cause, and then actually the, the councilman, I think it was James Torrance, who represents that district. In the seventh district. Yes, uh-huh. we asked him. No reply, no response. I even went to a, we went to a council meeting, I believe a week before that, and we seen on a council meeting, we asked them, hey, did, did you check your email? Hey, we reached out to you, but something, oh, oh, I have a lot of emails, or oh, I'll get back to you, and stuff like that. Like, that's not, that's not what we I call serving the citizens of Baltimore. Giving us, you know, half answers or not responding at all, that's not what I call serving the community. In terms of the actual position of mayor, and I ask almost everybody who runs for this office this very same question. What do you see as the capacity of the mayor of Baltimore to do things like make the council more responsive, make violence uh, be interrupted and decline, make affordable housing, you know, these these uh, education issues that we face. I mean, these are all really important issues. They're big issues. They're complicated. I mean, what is the actual capacity of the mayor, whether it's you or Brandon Scott or Sheila Dixon or anybody else? What do you think it is that that one individual can do to move the needle? It's, it's, every, it's everything that you just said, Mr. Tom. You know, it's, it's, it's really investing into our people because numbers say that if we invest into our people, crime will go down. Education will be better. You know, if we really listen to the people, the mayor is, 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 a, is the servant of the people. And we have to do what's in the best interest of the people every single day. Not just talking about it, not acting like it, but really being involved in each community in the city and, and getting the needs and helping everybody become the best version. Because like I say, we need more civilians and less criminals. So uh, I want to talk about taxes, because that's always on everybody's mind. Property taxes in the city of Baltimore higher than anywhere else in this uh, metropolitan area. There's a ballot initiative that they're trying to get on the ballot for November uh, by an organization called Renew Baltimore, and they call for cutting the property ta- the rate of property taxes in half over a period of, I think, six years. Uh, in a predictable way, it would go down a little bit each year. Um, there are those in the city, uh, including in the Department of Finance, that said that that w- that say that that would be a very difficult situation for the city. It would rob the city of uh, you know very much needed revenue, and a lot of programs would have to be cut. What's your opinion about the the Renew Baltimore uh, approach to the property tax problem? Well, we do know we have a property. <clears throat> excuse me. We do know we have a property tax problem. 
we have one of the highest property taxes in the country, and I, I believe we're number one in the in the state, if I'm not mistaken, as far as highest property tax the city is. So my administration, my my part of my plan is to drop property tax by six percent, um, and we have a plan to do that over my term, my first year term, because it, it, it needs to happen. That is something that, and I don't believe we have to raise taxes or, or drop anything to do that. We just got to make Merlin really more affordable. But if there's less money, wouldn't you have to drop something? Yeah, some got to get dropped, but it, it, we, we won't have to raise taxes to do that. Um, I want to ask you about the another initiative, a ballot initiative. It's uh, supported by David Smith, who's the person who owns the Baltimore Sun and Sinclair Broadcasting. Uh, they are proposing a ballot initiative. They've got enough signatures, so I think it will be on the ballot uh, to reduce the size of the Baltimore City Council from 14 members, I think, to eight members. What do you think about that, uh, lowering the number of council members we have? I agree. I and agree. why? And I believe I believe is that because this is what we just talked about a few minutes ago about how the population has gotten smaller in the city of Baltimore. So until we're able to gain that population back to the millions that we had it, you know, years ago, we don't need that many people on the council. I agree with that. I think eight eight members of the council to represent East District of Baltimore is perfect, actually. Uh, so uh, that's all the time we have. Any other uh, final thoughts that you want to share with uh, voters? I just, want, I, I just want to appreciate, you know, thank you, Mr. Tom, for allowing me to come in the studio today. Um, one, one clear message is that I just want to say this to the voters. I want us to really think and evaluate where our city is and where we need to go. And I want you to also look at the facts of where we are and where we've been and where we really want to go. If we really want to move Baltimore forward, we don't want to go back to the past. We don't want to stick a place. If we need to elect new, fresh leadership, and that is Wendell Freeman. Um, and I say follow me at WendellFreeman.com. Follow my Instagram at Wendell for Baltimore. And that's all I got to say, Mr. Tom. I thank you for, for letting me come on here. I appreciate it. And I thank you for your time. Wendell Hill Freeman is a candidate in the Democratic primary for mayor. The primary election takes place on May 14th. The early voting begins on May 2nd. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hall. This is part of our series of conversations with the candidates.